What's going on, everybody? It is Jamar with Jamar, episode 32. Um, unlike the rest of the episodes, um, I've been just trying to get it in, trying to trying to do a lot of uh, a lot of research, a lot of watching, and a lot of uh, actual and uh, analysis of everything since uh, Saturday. And what's crazy to me is how like a lot of the stuff been changing, and a lot of the people been switching up. A lot of the different podcasts I've been listening to are kind of different now. That um, this actual college football playoff has actually happened, and you got a lot of people on the right side and the left side, and then you got a lot of people that are trying to be up to down the middle. So. I want to be for this one podcast. I don't want to be a Clemson fan. I just want to be a fan of college football. Um, if you normally listen to me because you're a college football fan or if you just uh, just like to watch football in general, then you're going to really like this um, this podcast. More than likely, if you're a person who is has a team that was in the game on Saturday, then you're probably not going to like me because I'm going to put out everything. I'm going to talk about a lot of the conspiracy theories and try to debunk some of this stuff. So this uh, title for this Jabron Jamar episode is Clemson vs. OSU Unbunked Facts of the Game and Conspiracy Theories. Alright, so we'll jump right into it. Let's go. Alright, after after I watched the game about three times, I kind of put things together and think about the things that kind of affected the game. Uh, first off, the scoop and score, in my opinion, as a unbiased football fan was that it was a fumble. I don't care what people are saying. I do not care. I do not care. I do not care. If you want to write me afterward, then fine. But I'm just trying to be honest and unbiased. Um, they just happened. Clemson just happened to be on the receiving end of that blessing. And if you go back to look at the post-game interview, Dabo actually says that he's going to do nothing but give glory to God. And I think he's specifically talking about that particular play because when I say he was uh, receiving unsolicited blessings, that's what I'm talking about. Clemson didn't even challenge the ruling on the field. The booth actually did. So, hence the unsolicited part. Um, like I said, um, I, like I said, the fumble was a big deal for most Ohio State fans. The fumble was a big deal for most college football fans because there was bad calls being made. But if you also go back to the Oklahoma and LSU game, there was also a really bad pass interference call early in the game when the score was was seven to fourteen um, that would have changed the complexity of that game. I think at least for a little while. But I mean, I think LSU would have still been too much for them and overpowered them. But it definitely got made made sure that that game got out of hand a lot earlier. Um, same thing with this Ohio State fumble, scoop and score. Um, it was done um, in a way that it was a little later in the game. Um, it did have some implications, but I think at that point in the game, the scoop and score doesn't lose or win you the game. I do think it makes it a little easier for Ohio State to win or to kind of get some of the momentum back, but it doesn't um, It doesn't change the you know the, the complexity of the game completely because they punt the ball anyway and Ohio State doesn't do anything with the punt so um, at the end of the day it is what it is so we'll move on from that alright um, and to kind of go hand in hand before we move on real quick um, the refereeing and the officiating of these games has been bad for 
ages and it's not just on the the college level it's on the nfl level we all watch what happened to the new orleans saints i mean i think referees are taking stuff into their own hands and they're doing things and the only problem with that is being that they have people overseeing these games that are supposed to be correcting the calls and ensuring that this stuff is done right and they're also making the same mistake either making the calls worse or changing calls that you know otherwise would be just fine left the way they were so for an unbiased fan that is what i'm saying i'm sticking to it all right so let's go so here's why i think osu lost lost and so we need the ohio state fans come to grip with this this is a real analysis all right so lsu i mean osu was 0 for 4 in the red zone all right that means they went to the red zone four times they came away with no points four times they also threw two interceptions, one being at the end, subsequently with the end of the game. But there was another one uh, late in the game as well to, uh, that was picked off by Isaiah Simmons. All right. The targeting penalty gave Clemson a new set of downs when they had them on the ropes and they were down 16 to nothing. So, which, so I'm going to go ahead and stop here for another second for another little segue. The targeting penalty from a, on, a non-biased Clemson fan is a targeting penalty because he led with the crown of his helmet. If you look at the replay, they showed a replay a couple of times. Even though Trevor Lawrence is six six and he did lower his head to go down, he was also being pressured. He was he was kind of bracing himself for the hit. But at the same time, the reason that he was called for for targeting was because he had his head down, led with the crown of his helmet to make this tackle. Everybody knows since Pop Warner, you do not lead with your helmet. So a lot of people were talking about, oh, well, that was targeting that changed the complexity of the game. No, targeting got called in multiple games and has been called for the majority. First of all, he hit a quarterback like that. So you already know that's going to be a little bit more heightened when you hit the quarterback like that. And then after looking at the replay, he didn't even look up. So in all honesty, he was already putting himself in a bad situation going into it. And then on top of that, Chase Young was behind him grabbing his neck, which at the end of the day, that's neither here nor there. I don't think, I mean, at the end of the day, people saying, well, why not just give him a necessary roughness? But I think because he led with the crown of his helmet, he hit Trevor Lawrence, who was 6'6", in the head with his helmet. Even though he was bent down, this the reason why he got called for that penalty. He was ejected subsequently. So I'll leave that there. We won't need to talk about that anymore either. All right. So also, um, Ohio State lost containment of Trevor Lawrence for a 67-yard rushing touchdown. Now, if, if Trevor Lawrence throws a 67-yard deep ball, then, okay, he did that. That's what he did. That's how he normally beats you. But the fact that you let him run all over you, he juked the safety, and then he got to the edge, to the outside, with only needing one block and still outran corners to a touchdown is ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. Point blank period. Um, Clemson also found a way to isolate and neutralize Ohio State's best defender, who was supposed to be the game changer. He was supposed to do everything to change the game, uh, be the game breaker of some sort. And he only had two total tackles. And I think one of the tackles, if I'm even considering, might have been with the tackle that he was with with the targeting um, that he helped um, that he helped with. So, you know, in my mind as a I was thinking he was going to be a game breaker. Me personally, um, they talked so much about him being maybe the prospective number one pick in the draft, and I'm pretty sure he was. He was. Um, what's the word I can use? 
he was pretty much exposed to not be as good and as dominant as everybody had been making him out to be. It's a lot different to do it when you, everybody knows you're coming. You know, there's going to be this great guy, this big player. And I don't know why he didn't play great that game. I don't know if Carmen just got the better, just got kind of the jump on him or whatever. But Chase Young didn't play great. To me, honestly, the best the best player on their defense is, uh, I still can't say his name, the corner with the African last name. Uh, somebody's going to, I'm sure they're going to tell me that I said it right or wrong, but um he was the best um the best corner they got or the best defensive player he showed up and showed out um and Justin Fields became one-dimensional. Um, I don't know if it was because he was uh, kind of afraid about the injury or whatnot, but he really wasn't really much of a factor on the ground. He really didn't run a whole lot, and he they kind of made him into a passer, which he did great as a passer for a little while, but he's not a passer by um, kind of passer by nature. So by making him a like pure passer at that point, you kind of limit him to what he can do um, to kind of like make you scared or kind of challenge things. That's why they didn't, hence they, why they didn't score in the red zone. And uh, if you're looking at the points wise, so instead of getting, uh, so I counted it up. So they got nine points in the first half from field goals. But had they gotten touchdowns, that would have been 21 instead of nine. So that puts the game out of reach for Clemson, even with some type of weird comeback. Um, that would kind of put them out of the, that would put them out of reach. So that's along with the, uh, the the targeting penalty and the PI right after the targeting penalty that kind of led to why they started coming back. All right. Okay. And here are some reasons why Clemson should have lost. And you guys can say what you want. So first of all, you got a slow start and the refusal to make Ohio State play all four downs. So um, I say that, and the next point that makes sense. Um, they never went for it really on fourth down. Um, and I know that people say, well, they they would have gave up bad field position, but at the end of the day, so is a missed field goal. So is you know you have to test the defense, and sometimes getting a fourth down conversion can take the win out of a team. Um, I know they didn't go for it on fourth down that many times, but um, I will say that they should have went for fourth down, for it on fourth down more times. Uh, just to just to shake things up, it would have definitely helped. Um, missing a field goal, like I said before, he missed a field goal in the beginning. That would have made the game 3-3 three to three in um, the first uh actually the first series which have tied the game up and kind of made it an even game they probably wouldn't start getting blowed out like they did um they missed a pick six opportunity as well oh there's a pick six opportunity that was dropped um they lost containment on jk Dobbins at least four or five times running out of the backfield and those were the bigger gains um like I said, those are those type of games right there. Sixty plus yard games, two for him. He had 140 yards in the first half of just rushing alone. So that was really a big component of why they had kind of took off. They had established a run game, which I think they should have stayed with. But um, you know, injuries and stuff kind of kind of came became a part of that, and that's just where we at with that. Um, I'll kind of talk about that in a minute. Um, three. Pass PIs, three uh, three PIs for passes over ten plus yards. So that I counted them, the more PIs than that, but those are the main ones, the ones that were uh, plus ten yards or more, and some of them were even plus twenty. Um, those are ones that really put them in a bad spot. Um, subsequently, if they got a PI, um, in the one PI that I would have went for if I was a defensive back or a corner. Um, 
I would have went for the one that they scored off of. I would have just grabbed them or just been like, hey, like you're not going to get a touchdown because you know you've already stopped them a couple of times in the red zone. So I don't know why that would have been any different. You just grab them in the end zone, give it to them on the one, and maybe see if your defense can hold them. But uh, whatever. That is not here nor there. Um, also, I want to talk about the fumble and the, the fumble by Ross. Even though it was overturned, it still was an issue. Uh, still was an issue of ball security for him. And I know I get it. They were like Ross and Higgins were both banged up. Um, you know that was another thing. And um, I think another issue could have been that they left too much time for Justin Fields. I mean, subsequently after they scored really quick with the, the little the little dip to um, Etn, um, he scored that. Uh, there was still about two, maybe two to three minutes left on the clock. So they could have actually really done a lot of damage and probably scored and walked away with the win. Um, like I said, subsequently they throw a pick, and that's just due to Justin Fields, like I said, once again being one-dimensional. And I guess his guy thought he was going to run, and he didn't run, which that's neither here nor there. It's just that's just how the cookie crumble. Um, this is my honest evaluation of, like, what were the problems in the game. Um, my biggest takeaways um, from this game was, um, first of all, let me just give all respect to J.K. Dobbins. That's a grown man. That dude is a grown man, and he's going to do work in the in the draft and whoever he goes to in the NFL. I got a lot of respect for him, um, as well as uh, you know, I was I said this before in like one of the other earlier segments that we talked about it. I was really not. I was not really like blown away by Chase Young, and I'm not saying in the last two games I really wasn't blown away by him. Um, for an extent, like he had decent games, but for him to be talking about he's a game breaker and all this stuff, um, he wasn't really double teamed in this game against Clemson. Clemson just had a really good, um, a really good scheme for him. They put one of their better. Um, a better offensive of blockers. They put one of their better blockers against them, and one pretty sure it was Carmen. And Carmen's actually from Ohio, so he had a kind of a chip on his shoulder to prove a point. Um, and there had been a lot of talk throughout the week about who was going to win that battle, and it looks like, to me, uh, Carmen won that battle for Clemson. Um, this is actually Clemson's best offensive line, so that's another takeaway um, from this game as well. Um, they think they maybe sacked Trevor Lawrence maybe twice, maybe once. Um, a legit sacks um, and without that targeting penalty uh, that I don't even know if they count that as a sack so they might have only actually got him once um, so that's a big deal like that's a big deal offensive line being elite um, and on top of it having an, an elite defensive coordinator which we saw like they made a lot of changes at halftime uh, these changes actually caused a lot of confusion for Justin Ross hence why he threw the first pick to um, why he threw the first pick to uh, he started throwing. He threw the first pick when he threw it to uh, what is his name? I'm drawing a blank right now. Isaiah Simmons. When he threw the first pick to Isaiah Simmons, uh, that was a I got a, a good a good like change of momentum as well. Um, so they just kind of did things all night, like moved around, uh, moved guys around, put guys in different places. They did a lot of stunting, and so. When you're doing a lot of stunting and, and rushing, you give up some stuff. You're going to give away some big plays sometimes. You're going to give up some big plays um, if you just throw it up, throwing it up under. They really didn't do a whole lot to really throw uh, Justin Fields off, but just not to make him an effective runner, and that uh, that helped. Um, uh, Trevor Lawrence is tough as nails. Um, the kid got could have probably been knocked out. You know, probably got hit pretty well. I'm on the head there, and probably could have been knocked out. And I'm not saying he didn't have a concussion or he did, but he he got hit pretty good, and they were hitting really hard out there. I had to give Ohio State that they were definitely hitting. 
Um, let's see. Okay, so from what I noticed, um, Clemson needs to stick to zone when the secondary, especially against LSU, because we kind of got exposed in the secondary. Those PIs really matter, and against Jamar Chase and Jefferson, we're going to really need to be on our P's and Q's, especially with unless they get a lot of pressure on Joe Barrow. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out um, in the in the long run. But right now, um, that's a that's an area of concern for me uh, or anybody, or just as a general person watching the game. I think that was a general concern that they really couldn't, not that they couldn't match up with Ohio State, but Ohio State had a lot of speed and I know LSU does have a lot of speed um, in the wide receiver uh, core so we just need to kind of keep an eye on that or people that are watching, keyboard listening, keep an eye on that, that's that's going to be a major thing for the LSU game um, also, I think Ryan Day was a good coach, I think he I think he did some things um, with tempo I think he sped things up um, I think he should have stayed speeding things up I think he should have never started slowing the slowing the um, the, the slowing everything down, making everything kind of slow, methodical. Um, he became predictable at that point, and then it gave Clemson the op- opportunity to set their defense up and get set. When he was going with the hurry up, he had kind of had Clemson on the ropes, and they were looking in for the call, but they couldn't get the call in before they hiked the ball. So that was a major issue um, as well for why they did. I'm not saying Ron Day is not a great coach, but that's one of the things. And subsequently, this brings me to my next point is. Um, the issue with the second half adjustments. Um, I don't really think he made that many second half adjustments. Um, just with the just to the point where the second half adjustments wasn't made, and you could kind of tell because they kind of came out flat. The first the first drive they came out, they played good defense, and Clemson didn't score. But you can also tell that a lot of the adjustments weren't made on the ball, the side of the ball where it should have been made. There was a lot of big plays that you know were given up in the first half that wasn't given up in the second half, and I think that was mostly due to the fact that. Um, J.K. kind of got injured, and they kind of banged him up, um, tackling him hard and stuff. And then they also started – they stopped letting him get a lot of penetration into the middle and started putting more people in the box. So um, that was the adjustment that Clemson made. And then, you know, the fact of the matter that Clemson and Dabo and Venables have this – this relationship where uh, he'll go tell them to go win the game for him. You know, he'll put everything on the defense. Like, hey, we're not going to wait around. We're going to go ahead and score. And because we swore we got, you know, we got confidence that you guys will bring it home for us. And um, that's that's one of the reasons why they've been so good so, um, lately. So um, kudos to him. And uh, I, I said this to a friend of mine on another one of the podcasts that I, I'm on. And I said that if you look at Ohio State, and you look at the Clint, and you look at what what Ohio State did to Clemson that hadn't been done to him all season was they punched him in the mouth early, and they tried to bully him, and they became like they kind of they put him in a position where they either had to respond or they were going to get run ran over for the entirety of the game. And I think sometimes when um, you're faced with your own immortality, and especially in the football game, when you see hey these guys are going to take it from us if we don't go out here and go get it back. Um, that that hurts, but subsequently, if you can if you can take their best punch, and you can kind of not fall for the bully tactics and whatnot, and you can jump back on it, it can kind of throw the defense off as well. It can kind of show them like, hey, listen, like we took your best shot and it wasn't enough to knock us out, so you have to come harder than that. 
um, that's also another um, proponent that I had spoke about on one of the other podcasts that I'm on, and um, I think that's going to be really like pretty well received by people once you really listen to what I'm saying. Um, taking somebody's best punch, giving they they give you their best punch and they think they got you knocked out, and you get up. It's demoralizing to lose a big lead like that. It really is. Um, so. To me, um, that is one of the biggest, the biggest, one of the biggest ones that was happened within the game, and um, I haven't really talked about this a whole lot because I haven't been like a big proponent of the transfer portal so far. I mean, I know a lot of good things have come out of it, but um, a lot of the different, you know, fan bases that you know to follow me and whatnot, I know some of them get like kind of butt hurt mentioning this stuff. But if you, um, if you are a good college football fan, you've done your research. Uh, there was three major transfers in this year's. Um, this year's uh, college football playoff. You had Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. You had uh, you got Joe Burrow at LSU, and then you, of course, you have Justin Fields at Ohio State. Um, of course, you know Jalen Hurts came from Alabama. Joe Burrow from Ohio State, and then also as well, you have Justin Fields going from Georgia to Ohio State. And in these in these situations that this all happened. The only team that stayed in the same spot, even though they lost a player, was Ohio State. Um, and that's something to be said about the culture in Ohio State. So I'm going to be completely honest about it. I think that I think the world of Ohio State, I'm, I think that they're one of the better programs in America, if not one of the best programs in America. Um, I, I really do. I, I believe that. And I don't like to say it because I'm because, you know, they're one of the teams that we've always beaten. But, you know, when you put them up against anybody, they always kind of stack up. They're not really getting beat a whole lot. And um, I just don't foresee them starting to in the near future as well. This was just a loss to a great team. And uh, that's just where we at with it. Um, but I do feel that kind of stupid if you're you should feel kind of stupid if you're a, a Georgia fan, because if you're Georgia. And and you got rid of Justin Fields, and then Justin Fields goes and is a part of the college football playoff, and really has a chance to win it. Um, he just kind of ran into a buzzsaw, and then you also, if you're Ohio State, in a sign of a sense, you lost the Heisman, you know, and who would have? But I don't know if it. Let me not say that. I don't know if you feel if you're better off with 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 the Joe Burrow or Justin Fields. I don't know who you're better off with because they both got their pros and cons and we don't really know what Joe Burrow can really do outside of playing um, in the SEC because he's got all these great receivers. So I'm not going to say that as well. So I'm just going to hold on to my thought about that until after Clemson plays them. We'll see because I haven't really, like I said, I haven't really seen them against anybody because, um, you know, like scoring defense because I think Clemson is actually number one in scoring defense at this point. Um, but the transfer portal is going to continue to play a big major role in these college playoffs. So if you're looking and you're a big college football fan, you're going to see in the next couple of years they're going to be a big, a big influx of these college transfers because they're seeing they can be successful. Um, there are a lot of success stories and there are also a lot of success, uh, a lot of failure stories. Um, you got some people that transferred and they didn't do anything. They didn't make their situation better. If anything, they made it worse and they look like they can't, you know, withstand. Um, withstand you know toughing it out and we're not going to speak on it because people most people know who i'm talking about but you know it is what it is um so a lot of stuff i've been hearing i'm gonna take the likes probably the last third or four minutes of this podcast to kind of talk about some of the conspiracy theories that dave a lot of people have had um and it's got mostly a lot to do with money so the first conspiracy theory is that they always wanted clemson and ohio state well clemson and lsu to be in the to be in the national championship and you know uh 
and that could be because of uh, money. Um, it could be because they're both a part of the ESPN network, uh, one being SEC team, the other being the ACC team, you know, and they have ACC network and the uh, SEC network now. And we know that that guarantees them to have at least one of their uh, subsidiaries being a part of being a national champion, which will mean uh, revenue for next year when they start putting out the, you know, the the videos and the promos and all this stuff. Um, I think that that might have something to do with it. I'm not saying that that's a part of the the um, not that saying it's up so much of a part of the narrative, but it's definitely been a part of, you know, I think a part of money and it's been like money is controls a lot of NCAA. Um, so that could be a, a, a probable theory. Um, but just because that call bad call was made, I don't think that's the reason why I'm just going to take, it's going to take a little bit more than that for make me kind of convince me of that one. Um, I've also heard um, kind of from people just talking is that, um, like I said, they've always wanted Clemson and uh, Clemson LSU to play, be the Battle of the Tigers, Battle of Death Valley, Battle of um, just Battle of basically uh, coaches that weren't supposed to, basically weren't supposed to be the guys that they, that people wanted in place. But now they're doing what everybody wanted them to do, and I, and I think that that's good. I think honestly, I think. If it's not a part of a conspiracy theory, then it's great. If part of the conspiracy theory is that they wanted this game to happen, which I think a lot of people wanted the game to happen. But I think that everybody wanted LSU against Clemson and or Ohio State. I don't think it was either. Or. I don't think it was one or the other. I think they wanted either or. Um, just so, they, you know, those are the two, the three best teams in the nation. And now you're about to get the two best teams of the nation going against each other head to head. Um, I will also say this, and I will preface it with the, my conversation. We all know that if Clemson had lost the game this year, they would not have been in it. So I don't know why everybody's kind of pushing the narrative that they wanted Clemson to win. That's not really what they wanted because at the end of the day, we all remember them saying, hey, like Clemson haven't played nobody. Why we ever want them in the class playoff? You know, they wanted us out and they haven't, they've been very adamant about the ACC is weak and this just is a proponent of that. So now people are saying from Ohio State, oh, they just don't like us. That's not necessarily the case. And then other people are saying it's because of uh, Fox, the relationship that uh, the, um, the Big Ten Network has with Fox. And, you know, that could also be a proponent, I guess. But, I mean, anything could be looked at if it's, like, the other way around. Because had Clemson got that bad call, would we be saying any of this at all? Probably not. Um, let's just be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. Um, I do feel like they have their pushes. But I think Ohio State is a big enough name and a big enough brand to where I don't think they got cheated out of a game. I think they got a bad call called against them. It sucks that, it, you know, they did get a bad call. And I don't – nobody – I don't know any other real Clemson fans that, you know, that are really say they, they love football and they really can be objective and say, hey, that was a great call because it wasn't. It wasn't a great call. I wasn't happy about the call as far as um, look how it looked because I didn't want any excuses for anybody to be saying, oh, well, you guys won, but and then the asterisk is beside it. Oh, yeah, but they got a really bad shitty call um, that, you know, kind of changes the complexity of the game. I hate that. It's like you win, but you have an asterisk beside it. I hate the asterisk. Like, just like when we beat Alabama, there was no asterisk beside it. We just came right out and beat them. Um, so, like, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I, like I said, these are some of the conspiracy theories that I'm trying to unbunk and just talk about. And like I said, if you guys have any questions, concerns, or comments about them, um, you can always hit me in my inbox. Um, this was also um, this this episode, particular episode, was sent to me by a friend um, who wanted me to do it. 
and um, he's also another podcaster, but I didn't have enough time to get into basically the reasons why people lost and didn't lose and how the situation went. But I'm glad I was able to get with you guys, make a podcast real quick. It's an audio-only version. Um, I'll probably have a visual version for those of you who won't get a chance to listen to the audio version of it who don't really follow it that much on Anchor. Um, I also post it on the Facebook page as well uh, so you guys can get to it along with like the actual physical version if you want to see my ugly mug uh, tomorrow. Uh, but as of right now, those are kind of the, what we wanted to talk about and kind of get off of our chest. Um, with the after you know a couple of days that went by, I've watched the game a couple of times. Actually sat down without being super excited and already knowing the outcome. I wanted to sit down, make the notes that I needed to make, and kind of give you guys a finished product of a non-biased opinion of the game. I think that the call was bad, but the call does not subsequently give you um, a law or give you the loss. I think that it would have helped you win, but it doesn't give necessarily give you a loss either. But because Clemson did score relatively easy that last time they got the ball. Um, so let's just let's just be behind it. Like you know, a lot of bad things happen during the game, and that's not one reason or not that you lose. I mean, it would have to be a bunch of reasons. All right. So, um, like I said, reach out to me. Hit me on my Facebook page uh, by my first and my last name. You can find me on Facebook, but more than likely, if you found this, you can probably find my Facebook page. So just hit me up with a, a message or whatever in the inbox, and uh, I'll be more than happy to talk about it. Or if you want me to like uh, expand on anything we're talking about in the podcast, I'll be more than happy to do that as well. All right, guys. Well, until next time, deuces.